Listening to the Common Fan Podcast, a Husker football podcast for the common fan by the common fan. Welcome back to the Common Fan Podcast. It's a big week for Husker Nation. The positive vibes and the big red Kool Aid are flowing like the salmon of Capistrano. The Nebraska men's basketball team had a huge win against Michigan State on Sunday. The women's volleyball team is preparing for yet another Final Four appearance beginning tomorrow. And as you may have noticed, there's been just a little bit of chatter regarding the football program this week. We are taking in all of the good vibes and we can't wait to dive into the football news with a very special guest in just a moment. I am TJ Burkle alongside Maddie Owens Sr. and Geoff in Lincoln. Make sure to check out the Common Fan Podcast's new YouTube channel and hit that subscribe button when you do. Please also follow the podcast on your streaming platform of choice. Follow us on Twitter at at CommonFanGBR. Email us at CommonFanGBR at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our guest today is the host of Mornings with Sharp and Handley, weekdays on 1620 The Zone. He also serves as the play-by-play announcer for the University of Nebraska-Omaha men's basketball team. He previously worked as a pregame host, sideline reporter, locker room host, and sports talk show host for the Nebraska Sports Network. During that time, he was also the play-by-play voice for the Nebraska baseball team, as well as the Lincoln Stars hockey team. The man has literally done it all. We are, of course, talking about the one and only Gary Sharp. Gary, thank you so much for joining the Common Fans today. Hey, I'm glad to be here. And man, how about that bio on the website? That's awesome. <laughs> I didn't I didn't even I didn't even I didn't even copy and paste all of it. I only copy and paste part of it. <laughs> uh, well, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um I, I, I know of you guys and it's a, a great conversation. So hopefully I can uh, live up to uh, what you guys have uh, established. Well, that's that's very kind well, of you, you to say. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I assume it was no big deal to come on because it's been a pretty slow week of Nebraska athletics, right? I mean, you've probably just been <laughs> focusing on other things this week, right? Well, it, you know, it's like, it's wild that Nebraska, not too long ago, finished the season once they went five and seven. They didn't lose a game in October. They didn't win a game in November. They're not getting ready for a bowl game for the seventh straight year. And all of a sudden, in a matter of about 10 days, Nebraska started to act like the brand that they are. And, you know, we win off-season championships around here. And it, 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 but it shows you, like, what momentum can do. And if, you, if you're aggressive and you have a plan, and if you execute the plan, some things come together. Now, getting a portal quarterback was something we expected. The Dylan Riola stuff, nobody expected until Nebraska got a call on Sunday that was like, are you still interested? And one thing led to another, and here we go again. And Nebraska could go from one of the worst quarterback rooms in college football to one of the best quarterback rooms at Nebraska since 1993 with two five stars. And you're like, whoa, what happened? This isn't supposed to happen at Nebraska. Holy smokes. I, I'm ready to run through a brick wall after you that's said a, all of that. <laughs> Nebraska behaving like Nebraska again. I love it. I love it. I, so just to, for any common fans out there who have been living under a rock for the last week or two. We're just going to lay out, lay out the facts here for a moment. All right. There's several moving pieces this week. We've got Ohio state quarterback, Kyle McCord 
He's got one year left to play. He's already in the transfer portal, right? So he's leaving Ohio State. He wants to go play somewhere else. So this chatter, I think, started probably last week. Um, but there's a lot of smoke about McCord coming to Nebraska, playing his senior year in Scarlet and Cream. He visited Lincoln this week. I think he just left like yesterday, maybe. Yep. Okay. So separate from that, Monday of this week, Monday evening-ish, we start getting fireworks that Dylan Rayola, son of Husker legend Dominic Rayola, nephew of current Husker O-line coach Donovan Rayola, the number one high school quarterback recruit in the country and current commit to the defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs, is considering flipping his commitment to the Huskers. Uh, so, Gary, we'd love your help kind of unpacking all of this. Um, we currently have a lot of well-reputed, that's the way you say that, uh, recruiting analysts and yeah. sources projecting both McCord and Rayola to Nebraska. Um, wh like, what? Wh what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> so, Please explain so, this to me. Uh, um, so let's go back. Let's go back to the end of the season press conference, not after the Iowa game, but a couple of days later when Matt Rule and, and you guys know him and we've all followed him. He in long form environments like press conferences, he's great because yeah. he can just kind of talk. I mean, that's his element. And so he went into that press conference on that Wednesday after the season had ended. He went in with a little bit of an agenda. He knew that when the portal opened a few days later, Nebraska needs a quarterback. Heck, they might need two quarterbacks. And that was kind of the thinking that they needed one. They would love to have another. But a guy on their roster, Chubba Purdy, has a high ceiling, and we want to see where that's going to go. So that was the game plan when he walked in. And then he started to talk about NIL. Hey, I just want everybody to know out there, a quarterback is going to cost a mil to two mil. Well, at the time, I didn't think he was just saying the reality. And he was saying something out loud that a couple of other coaches have, but mo most coaches haven't. And all of a sudden we go, yeah, I guess you're right, coach. Well, now that I look back at that almost two weeks later, and it was two weeks ago, him saying that presented that Nebraska can produce a bag if need be. And so Nebraska got some interest that I don't think they expected on the portal from quarterbacks that you're going – why would Cam Ward ever listen to Marcus Satterfield? And it took off. They When they started their plan to find a quarterback, guys, they didn't think Kyle McCord would be in the portal. All of a sudden, he's in the portal and listens to Nebraska. And one thing leads to another at the end of last week, that Nebraska is in front of all of these guys presenting, hey, this is who we are. This is what we want to do. And we're all going – did you not see that offense? It was 104th in the country in yards per play. So they were seeing who would, you know, reciprocate the interest. Kyle McCord says, you know what? Marcus Satterfield, you're showing me you got a chip on your shoulder after everything that happened this year. I got the same chip. One thing leads to another. He's on campus. Um, you're right. He did leave yesterday. And Nebraska might have their portal quarterback. When they started with Sam Levitt, He's at Arizona State. The dominoes start to fall. They get McCord. They don't go after any other quarterbacks in the portal because they feel like they have their guy. And then on Sunday, Dylan Riola, on whatever happened in Athens last weekend, the family was like, we're not comfortable. Let's call Nebraska. And that's where we are right now. It is an amazing turn of events 
in about two weeks. But I think you have to start with that press conference and get to today on how we got to this point where Nebraska could add two quarterbacks like this. So, Gary, I, I think I guess we can only speculate or, you know, listen to some of the rumors or rumblings out there. What do you think happened with with Georgia and, and Rayola? Is it is it an NIL deal and them not willing to potentially match whatever Nebraska might be offering in that space? Is it, you know, him looking at their quarterback room and saying, hey, I, I, actually, I do have a better shot to get on the field quicker than Nebraska? Like, what what do you think happened there? Well, a little bit of that, you know, um, so Nebraska's selling point to the portal, portal quarterbacks was, hey, look at our room. you got an opportunity. Look at playing at the University of Nebraska, what goes with playing here. They weren't necessarily selling the full offense, even though the offense that they're selling was the offense that you saw with Purdy at quarterback against Wisconsin and against Iowa, where it's more of a pocket, pocket uh, presence. We'll, we can talk more about that. But I think the NIL part is probably where we're going here. Because Carson Beck, it has been assumed for the last couple of weeks that he's going to return. Now, remember, Dylan was not going to be number QB number one in Athens in 2024. It was probably going to be Carson Beck coming back. So I think something broke down in the communication and the promise. And you have to understand about something with Dominic is he's a business person first. You don't play 14 years in the NFL with not having a business acumen. And Nebraska is about to acquire a quarterback who is a business somebody who has an agent, somebody who already has a national NIL deal before he ever gets here. So something happened in the communication that did not live up to previous conversations and the comfortability level, I don't think was there. And so the family said, what's our next option? They like Nebraska. And so that leads to Nebraska and Nebraska goes, yeah, have you seen our quarterback room? We got availability. What do you want to do? But we're not going to do the dog and pony show. Because you know us, we know you. If we're going down this path, this means you're coming here. So on Sunday, when they get that call and Nebraska feels comfortable, and then Nebraska reaches out to Danny Kalen, that's the tipping point for me that it's just a formality that Dylan Riola is in. And then another thing, guys, since Sunday, Dylan Riola has been trying to flip guys to come to Nebraska to a place where they really don't have much space in a recruiting class that if you committed in May – you got space. You you will officially commit on a weekend before a dead period and a week from the day is signing period. So it is it is a wild scenario, but that's where we are in college football. And I think Nebraska, they have handled this well off the field. Now, how they if they get guys in the fold, how will they manage it on the field? That ultimately is where we all care about. Well, and in addition to that, I mean, that's great info. Kind of pivoting back to McCord, too, I was curious about this yesterday, and I discussed it with a few coworkers, is when you're coming from an 11-1 and Ohio State team and you're surrounded by four- and five-star talent, what's what does Nebraska bring to the table other than a bag of cash to, to come here? Um, I mean, you've got all of that around you there at Ohio State. What's so attractive about the Huskers? Is, the, is he just guaranteed a starting position over Rayola to start off? Um, and kind of be that leader of men for him and help mold him? Or what do you think your thoughts are there? Well, remember, that's a great question, because remember when they were first in front of McCord, Dylan Riola wasn't available. Right. But he it, it should not affect Kyle McCord. Kyle McCord has one year. Dylan mm-hmm. Riola could redshirt and have another four years if that's the route. So McCord's looking at Nebraska, in my opinion. And, and I, you know, if he says yes to Nebraska, I'm sure these will be questions that will be answered is, hey, I went 11-1 and one at Ohio State. And 
I wasn't guaranteed to be the starter next year. Now, I like competition, but I was kind of told that, hey, maybe you ought to look elsewhere. And here's what I've said about McCord. He's probably not the fit for what they expect a quarterback at Ohio State looking at their lineage. He's probably a better fit for Nebraska. So now you've got a guy that is like, no, no, I'm going to prove it. Yeah, I had enormous skill talent there. But I think in my ability, I can help guys get better at Nebraska. And Nebraska is selling the young wide receivers. I mean, they're selling Jalen Lloyd, who buy stock in as much as you can, because he's going to be a star in the Big Ten. They've got Jaden Doss, who we got glimpses of, who with a competent quarterback that throws catchable balls, watch out. You got Malachi Coleman, who will be coming off surgery. And then you've got Demetrius Bell, who might be the champion of the offseason because more people mention him, and, and, and nobody's ever seen him play. So they've sold that to McCord. But I think it's also of, you've done it at Ohio State. Can you imagine what you do at Nebraska? We went five and seven. We haven't been to bowl games since 16. We've been to two bowl games in a decade, and one is because our guys were good in the classroom. If you come to Nebraska and you're successful, look what that can do for you. So I think that's some of the stuff he's looking for. It's almost like they need each other. And we'll, we'll, we'll see if they get together and then what that means on the field. Beautiful. Do you, do you think so? Um, Julian Fleming, uh, wide receiver for Ohio state, former five-star recruit um, probably was going to be a three or four on that uh, a wide receiver on that team, probably a number one guy on Nebraska's wide receiver room would be another huge pickup. For the Huskers, he's still in Lincoln right now, I think. Um, yeah. How's that looking coming along with his buddy Kyle McCord from, from Ohio See, State? I, think, I, I, don't, I don't have a great read, but it, that doesn't mean he's not coming. And I, and I think you see a lot of the people that interact with him, they feel like he's coming to Lincoln. I, I don't think it's a package deal, but I think it's a bonus that if you get his college quarterback and his college quarterback gets one of his college wide receivers – too bad the guy's not named Marvin Harrison Jr. But I think it's key for Nebraska because he's somebody who like needs a change of scenery. They have such great wide receivers at Ohio State. He got lost in the mix. He's still learning how to play wide receiver. He had some injuries. He's got kind of a bad shoulder that, you know, at, at times can be an issue. He's a great perimeter blocker. He's a great possession receiver. So if Marcus Washington, who it's, you know, that's a reach to think that he's going to get a waiver, he kind of fills that role of a possession wide receiver. But I also think he's somebody in a room that if you're following your quarter, your college quarterback, kind of like Washington did when Casey Thompson was here, you can go to the other wide receivers and go, hey, this is what he likes in routes that are run. If you run this kind of route, this is how he's going to throw you open. If you run, if you do this, this is how he likes to throw the football, catchable footballs, going back to something I mentioned earlier. So he would be a huge boost to that wide receiver room, not only from the on field, but I also think from the off field. But it's just you know, it's it's the world of college football that's all about momentum. They got McCord, so they get Phil Fleming to stop by. And then because they put it out there that, yeah, it's going to cost them money for quarterbacks, Nebraska might have a bag, and somebody's calling them going, hey, coach, I'd like to talk to you too. And Nebraska goes, are we being pranked? It's the wild world of where we are when it comes to this time of the year with portal recruiting and trying to sell a program that, you know, we go – what are you guys selling off five and seven? Yeah. So, yeah. so if you're, if you're in Vegas right now and this was something you could put money on, uh, how much are you putting money on Kyle McCord to Nebraska and Dylan Rayola to Nebraska? And uh, what kind Rayola, of, and, you probably, and, it, probably, and is that a parlay or can you do yeah, a, yeah. a two teamer on that? Uh, I don't, I don't know what the odds, I don't think the odds would uh, be great. Um, yeah, wouldn't but be a great I, payout I think, 
I think those are really, really good odds that both will end up at Nebraska. That's incredible. All right. So this is a sad statement on kind of the business of college football and where we are in college football. But you mentioned Danny Kalen out of Bellevue West, a homegrown guy, uh, elite 11 quarterback, like highly skilled and talented on his own. He was committed to Missouri, a program that's currently in better shape than Nebraska, as painful as that is to say out loud. Um, and then the Huskers do their, they have their, their spring fling with Rayola. Rayola, uh, decides to, to go to the dance with, with somebody else. And they go back to Kalen and they had kept, you know, credit to the staff for keeping the line of communication open with Danny Kalen. Um, and then he commits and he's been on board for months and, and he's been helping recruit other players. I assume they told him with this, with these developments with McCord and more, more relevant to him, Rayola, I assume they're telling him they'll still honor the scholarship. They still want him to be part of the class, but you can understand as as of this recording, he's visiting Michigan state or going to be visiting Michigan state, talking to Michigan state, whatever it might be. He's probably got one foot out the door and no one could blame him. Um, What do we, where do like, what what do we make of this? Or I mean, it's just kind of the the where we are in college football. It's more more of a business yeah. than it's ever been before. Yeah, it's that's the best way to put it. Um, you know, it, I, I'm torn on this a little bit. Um, one of the other things I do is is uh, two nights of TV with high school football, so I get to see a lot of these guys in person. And then the other part is I get to know them. And you're absolutely right about Danny Kalen. So he's he's kind of your, your, your pivot after that day in May. And he's excited. He decommits from Mizzou. He commits to Nebraska and he becomes a great peer recruiter. And he's bringing two wide receivers with him. There's only one guy probably in America that Nebraska does this to an in-state quarterback. And that's the number one quarterback. I mean, Dylan Riola says, yes, he's automatically then the top prospect that's ever committed to Nebraska. And they have a relationship with him. So that's a little bit different. It's not like just some guy called him up on the phone and said, hey, you know, last weekend of uh, visits before signing day, would you like to? This is somebody they know. Um, So that part of it's the part of the business that is uncomfortable, but it's really only one guy that you would do it for. And trust me, I don't think anybody's looking at it going, boy, should Nebraska have turned down Dylan Riola and stuck with Danny Kayla? You try and make it with make it work with two. So this is where rule, I think, is really good. And I think you guys are seeing this, and we're all seeing this, when it comes to people leaving the program in the portal. He is very upfront and honest. There's no gray area. There's, this is what we see you. This is where you can be. This is where you are. In the past, a lot of guys have been confused on their standing in the program, whether it be on game day, in the offseason. And so you have confusion, and you're like, I'm not going to put up with it. So rule is really good at communicating the message whether it's to current players, to recruits, to building up relationships with recruits. But Danny's in a situation where I would love to see him stay and compete because he's kind of chased Riolo for the last couple of years. Remember, he went out to the Elite 11 camp and held his own. And he's somebody that was excited to be in this class. He became a peer recruiter. He has been loyal. He has been committed. He also is a local kid. But then there's the part of me that goes, I get it. I, I, I get the emotions of a 17, 18-year-old kid And if you're wanted by somebody, not that he's not wanted by Nebraska, but if Michigan State says, I got a new, I'm a new head coach, I got a spot, let's talk, certainly you would take that visit. But I do believe that one week from today, Nebraska will sign just one high school quarterback 
and that will happen to be the high school quarterback that is number one in the rankings. And Rule will have to work this on, yes, we were going to honor Danny's commitment and and not, not have it affect the goodwill that his staff has built up in the state with coaches. I think most people understand it. Initially, they're like, oh, man, Nebraska's screwing him. They better take care of him. I think in the long run, you'll understand this is the business and this is a rarity and they want the best for Danny Kalen and the best might be in East Lansing. Yeah. Right. Right. Do, and that, that's, it, sorry, go ahead, TJ. Do you think it puts the two Bellevue West wide receivers in jeopardy? Those two commitments? I don't think so. It's, isn't it weird? You guys, you guys are on social media. Isn't it, isn't it interesting to see after this broke on Monday, the reaction of current recruits? Yeah. There's all there's so yeah. many cryptic uh, tweets yeah. out there from both recruiting staff and and recruits and players and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, lots of but, eyeball emojis. But but, but here's the thing. <laughs> here, here here's the thing that if you're doing your job in recruiting and you have less decommits, your commitments are committing to a school, not a position coach or a position. Yeah. Well, something I was thinking about today, because the whole the the Kalen thing kind of sat with me weird, too. And um, for all the reasons you kind of just, you know, detailed. Um, But I was thinking about this today and, you know, the way that this all works now, who's to say a year two, three years from now, we don't get Danny Kalen coming back home with with the transfer portal. Um, And then he goes and gets some season and some seasoning, some experience up in East Lansing. And then, oh, hey, you know, Nebraska needs a quarterback again. Um, maybe it's not working out there, whatever it is. And he comes back home. So, um, but yeah, that's definitely a, a, a kind of the rough part of all this, I think, is especially having a guy that was all in like that. But um, Matthew, you make it, let me, you make a great point because Dylan Riola, you know, Nebraska was disappointed in May. People can say, man, they weren't going to beat out Georgia. I think up until the last moment, Nebraska thought they were in a good position with him. But they didn't bash the kid. You remember, the family came back for a football game this fall. Yeah. They came back to visit their uncle. They were down on the field. Now, Rule was not over there shaking hands or anything like that. But (laughs) Nebraska didn't burn any bridges. But, Matthew, you make a great point of the bounce-back recruiting. Because in this day and age of portal quarterbacks and portal period – you never know. You can't get everybody in state. And you never know who might want to come back home. And they had a good experience with you. Right. When they called you to tell you that they were going somewhere else, you didn't go, I oh, get lost and I can't wait to beat you. They said, good luck. And if there's anything we can do for you, let us help you. I want to give you a quick story that backs that up. So when the staff first got here about a year ago, one of the first places Marcus Satterfield went was Gretna. You guys all know Zane Floors is at Gretna last year, now at yep. Oklahoma State, redshirted this year. Mickey Joseph tried to convince the Floors that, hey, we want to talk to him. And they were like, no, you know what? Oklahoma State's been good to us. We're committed. Marcus Satterfield went to their high school. He didn't know Mike Kale, their head coach, didn't know Zane Floors in person, you know, what he looked like in person, just on tape and everything he's heard. He just wanted to meet him. He didn't want to try and convince him that Nebraska is the place and we're a new staff. He just wanted to shake his hand and say, hey, you've had a hell of a career. And if there's anything we can do for you, let us know. Good luck. Just think about that down the road. I'm not saying with Zane, but down the road, that's how they'd handle like in-state guys 
that they've they've recruited hard that decide that Nebraska they would rather go away from home Nebraska, uh, somewhere else is better for them. Wow, yeah, that's I think that's probably the best way you can handle that. Um, well, since you brought up uh, Marcus Satterfield, uh, there's been you know a little bit of rumblings about there potentially being a new quarterback coach um, and him kind of giving up giving up that part of his job description. Um, and with us potentially having maybe maybe the, the most impressive quarterback room or, or one of the top three or so in the Big Ten, um, do you is there something kind of coming down the road with maybe a new quarterback coach coming to coming to coach these these five star quarterbacks? Yeah, I think there's uh, there have been little breadcrumbs that have been dropped. Let me ask all three of you guys. Did you find it interesting? Like, we knew the story last year of how they wanted to put the staff together, that Satterfield was going to be OC slash tight end coach, and that they chased Jake Peets, but the timing was just off, and Peets decided to stay in the NFL. That has never been publicly acknowledged until two weeks ago. Did you guys find that interesting, that rule for the first time? After a season where his OC was on the dartboard around every tavern in Nebraska, did you guys find that that for the first time at that time, Rule acknowledged that? I didn't even know. I must have missed yeah, that. I didn't realize that, but when you put it that way, that's uh, and then you and then you think about what followed. Uh, that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty intriguing for for Husker fans. God, it, it, we, we might be looking at some Christmas miracles here. Not just uh, <laughs> not just adding two five star quarterbacks. But also relieving the the one point four million dollar man of the quarterback coaching uh, responsibilities. Wow, I mean, it couldn't be, be it couldn't be a better start to the off season for the Huskers here. If that if that's where you're going with that, Mister. Well, Schell. so I I think they are. The one thing I've, I've kind of figured out about Rule is he's not going to stand pat. Um, he's not going to change his OC. So Marcus Satterfield will not be leaving as the offensive coordinator. But I think that Rule realizes that designing an offensive plan and coaching quarterbacks might be too much. And, 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 and I think, you know, you, everybody gets the feeling that they're going to have an addition to the roster. Um, I wonder, I wonder if it's more than just one guy on the offensive side. I, I have, I have my doubts about running back room. You know, we, we, we talk about quarterbacks and we're excited about quarterbacks. I still have a major concern about how, the running back room is organized, coached, and what it looks like in 2024. So you never know. There's still a lot of time to go, you know, before we ever really get into the offseason. You're, you're kind of done recruiting. The NFL season still has four weeks. So if you're courting an NFL guy, he's probably a month away from coming your way. Um, so, you know, you just you, you never know. But I know that rule won't stand pat. Um, it won't yeah. be an OC change, but maybe maybe an adjustment uh, with some roles or, you know, there's also the, in play, you might be able to have a rule that comes through. You can be an on-field coach, but you don't have to be a full-time coach. You can be an analyst. And so that might open the doors oh. for some other opportunities on that side of the ball. Defensive mm -hmm. side of the ball, they're secure. Offensive side, I, I, I think we'll probably see a little bit of a maneuvering of, of chairs. Hmm. I don't want to harp Very on Satterfield. I don't want to harp on Satterfield too much, but no, Jeff, Jeff, harp away. 
Harper. Okay, all right, fine. I will. Fine. Jeff, is Jeff known as the Marcus Satterfield guy? <laughs> no, no, no. None of us uh, are the Marcus Satterfield. <laughs> <laughs> $1.4 million man. Hey, Jeff, do you think uh, Nebraska Nebraska's quarterback in 24 will make more than the OC? That's a great question. I mean, he should. He should. Can we, can we, we've asked this in previous podcasts. Can we siphon off some of his salary and give it to the quarterback? How does that sound? Does that work? Or the defensive coordinator. Yeah, or the defensive coordinator. I'm just curious as far as, for lack of a better term, just some of the crappy product he's put out on the field over the last season. What's this guy doing behind the scenes to make these sales on some of these recruits? Is he going straight Alec Baldwin and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, ABC, <laughs> always be closing? I just – it's miraculous to me. I'd like to get your insight on what this guy does behind the scenes to sell to some so, of these kids. So I, you know, they were all over the moon, but I, I'll give it to you from the what I think is that the, the selling point for Nebraska is if you go back about 10 months ago, Nebraska's offense looked nothing like what they envisioned, whether it be with the quarterback, a bets at wide receiver, a Garcia Castaneda, a healthy running back room, their visions of what the offense was going to look like was very different. Now, their vision of Jeff Sims was cloudy at best, and they paid for it. <laughs> but I think I, I think at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year, finally Satterfield got to run a semblance of the offense that he wants. I think he just was all over the map this year. And injury after injury, Nebraska was not good enough to make up for it and also, I don't know if he ever got on the same page with any of his quarterbacks. Maybe Purdy late, because I think they like Purdy, but who knows if Purdy will be here in 24. It is, it is, it's, a, it's a hodgepodge. But I think they can sell of, hey, this is what we want to do. At the end of the day, Satterfield is trending of offenses that are turnover machines, whether it be the way the offense is designed or called or who is running the offense. He almost benefits from a defense that takes the ball away a lot so that you get extra possessions. I don't have a good answer for what he wants to do as an OC. I think you almost want to say, if you get confident, good quarterback play that is more than a one-read guy, and you've got wide receivers that can get open and catch the ball, and we're good on the perimeter, we can be a pocket-passing team where we don't put our quarterback in harm where he's carrying the ball, where a lot of those fumbles lead to. He's just turning and handing it off. So it's something that has to be fixed in the offseason. And then I think another part of this as well, Jeff, is they got to figure out the communication between the OC, the head coach, and yes. how it gets on the field. Yes. If, if I'm giving you, if I'm giving you three things that are most important in the offseason, I've already taken out Tony White because I got him taken care of. It's find me a quarterback, fix the running back room, and then most importantly, because you're not going anywhere until you fix in-game management. Yes. Woo. Yeah. Hundred percent. Totally agree. You mentioned, Gary, I'd love your thoughts on this. You mentioned how Coach Rule doesn't seem to be one to stand pat. And I think that, you know, uh, Husker coaches of recent past maybe came across as a little bit stubborn at times. And and I think Rule, to his credit, I would say to his credit, will stand up for his coaches and he will stand up for his players. And he doesn't throw, you know, it's not in his nature to throw anybody under the bus for the most part. But I think that, you know, could have been interpreted with a little bit of concern by Husker fans. Clearly, though, as we've gotten into the offseason, 
their actions are telling us they realize, you know, they've, they've met with basically or, or, or communicated with every transfer quarterback out there. Um, we're probably going to see some changes on the offensive staff. So I just lo- I'd love to hear your thoughts on he might not be willing to stand up in a press conference and say, um, so quarterback X is probably not our guy for next year. He's not going to do that to his yeah. players, and we respect that. But clearly also, it seems like he keeps an open mind. Even if you, you know, Tom, we had Tom Chattel on last week and he talked about how rules trying to build something and and his weekly press conferences were like getting an update from the builder when you're getting your house built, whatever. (laughs) And so he clearly like, you know, he he identifies issues that need to be addressed and he goes about trying to address them. So I, I was really encouraged not, he's not going to go out and say it, but I've been really encouraged to watch what they've done in the off season so far, which is basically trying to address every hole they've got, I would say, but especially at the quarterback room. Yeah, they're they're so in his mind, they are further ahead. Like year two has always been that year that pops. I mean, I look at it this week and I'm like, geez, I love I love this offseason. This should be like this all the time. We should always have a year two. So he believes that they are further ahead than he would have imagined 10 months ago. And he's made a commitment to this team that he will do anything possible to turn them into a winner that he can do. And then it's also up to them. So he'll give them the best resources possible to try and get the best players in here. He'll coach them the best. He'll get the best coaches. And I think what happened in year number one, and he kind of, he's in that weird of, yeah, you know what? Year one was a good development. Man, we learned a lot of things. But he knows they had a missed opportunity and a big one, not winning more than five football games. But, he made a commitment to the older guys. Hey, year one might be a little rocky, but if you stick with us, I promise year two, I like where we're at. We're going to get you to where you want to be. And that is extending your season in December. So I think the urgency he realizes when they lost, when they lost to Iowa of, Hey, year two, all of a sudden it has ramped up because we can't have let this happen again. I don't care about the schedule. We got to find a way to go from five to eight. Okay, and don't give me the schedule of the first half of the year is next year is going to be easy because no game is easy for the University of Nebraska. So his sense of urgency, I think, has been displayed in a Matt Rule type way that is encouraging that he is not going to be like, you know what, man, we were only supposed to win two or three games. We won five. Here we go. It's no, I think we got a taste of it and he got a taste of what people want around here and the hunger. And so he's trying to match it with his actions. Interesting. It's almost like, it's almost like it's, it's interesting to evaluate when, when Frost was hired, he had as much hype and cachet as anybody. I feel like in the country, at least any new head coach in 20, what was it? 2017 going into 2018. Um, and it felt like he had a lot to sell based on his success as an offensive coordinator at Oregon. And then as a head coach at central Florida, Whereas Coach Rule maybe didn't quite have the buzz. I mean, he's well-respected, I think, but maybe didn't have the same buzz to go and get playmakers going into year one. It's almost like now he's got more to sell because he can say, look, we flipped this defense in year one. We're going to get you the ball back again and again. And now we're lacking playmakers. So you come here, you're going to get on the field. We're going to flip this offense in year two. And we're off to the races. Is that, I mean, is that kind of, it's almost like the trials and tribulations of year one helped him have something to sell now going into year two almost. Yeah. I I also don't think he got away from his identity. 
Um, he's not a flash and dash guy. He's a builder. So he never got away from that point in year one of this is what we're going to build. So that's what we all say in year two. You're a builder. Go build. You know, he never said, OK, I want to be flash and dash guy and we're going to chase after everything. No, I'm a builder of programs with on the field with development. And I'm going to stay true to that. I'm not going to let one year knock me off because I've done it before. And I think that's what it comes down to. And I know there's a lot of comparisons to the past regime. And, you know, we, we've been in a malaise for a long time. I, I think the one thing about rule to me, and, 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 and you guys may also feel this way or not, is Nebraska football for the first time has a plan. Like I can see a plan of what they want to do. And they haven't, they haven't got away from it. Even when you get your butt kicked by Michigan, and you and you and you run into that hole of well, I guess we're not on Michigan's page. How do we get there? No, you're on Nebraska's page right now, and you're in the neighborhood of the Illinois, Northwesterns, and Purdue's, and you got to get out of that neighborhood before you can ever think about anything else. I don't think Rule got, ever got away from it, but I think he has a plan, and I and and I, I think he's done a good job of letting us all see it, and so we can see it and go, yeah, five and seven isn't acceptable, but I think I know where you're going. And isn't that isn't that refreshing, guys? That you can see that, um, even though they're not there's no football here in December for Nebraska, you can at least be like, okay, I saw this player get better, this player get better. Very few guys took a step back. I I, I got you. Now I can't wait for year two and what those guys look like in year two because rule year two for himself is not only big. I think he continues to tell you that year two for players, portal guys or high school guys is the year that it's going to pop. So yeah. we, we established this on the very first common ever common fan episode. The Illinois, Northwesterns, and Purdue's of the worlds are and always will be second-rate programs, and the Nebraska Cornhuskers <laughs> will always be better than those programs. But you're, you're right. Yeah. I mean, we've had a minor dip where we flirted with the sort of tier of the second-rate programs, and we played like them, but we will never be a second-rate program. But you know what? Okay, so I, 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 I understand that. This is a sign of progress. Isn't no, it? you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I'm kind of yes. kidding. A little but, bit. but Nebraska went three and zero against those teams. Yeah. Yeah. So you, yeah. you finally beat those teams that exactly kind of where you're hanging out right now. Right, and don't you think like I we we had talked a couple, two three weeks ago, whatever it was, about how it felt around here when we had won. What was it? Three out of four, and we're sitting at five and three, and we've got four games left, and we just need to get one more win to get to a bowl game and do something we haven't done for, for six or seven years, whatever it was. Don't you think that maybe, maybe here more than anywhere else that, that clinging on of hope, right? There's, you know, and, and lately for us, it's been off season hope because we keep winning these off season yeah. championships, but we will just cling on to any kind of hope that things are going to turn around and here, and we just get this guy or we get this coach or we get this guy to stay and here we go. Um, I'm just, I'm now even more, I was already excited for year two. You know, we got all these pieces coming back. You mentioned, you know, getting Tony White locked up. And then, you know, like you, you kind of referenced Gary, some of these guys I think are so excited now to come back. I mean, you got, you got Ty Robinson coming back, Polar Bears coming back. And then we, we got the announcement, the, the neat, cute little video from uh, Isaac Gifford and, and Ben Hart, and they're coming back. All these guys, you know, I think 
years past, I think we would have seen two or three of those guys maybe say, you know what, I'm good. I had my time. Uh, I did what I could at Nebraska. I'm going to, you know, see what's next. Um, I think it's awesome that these guys are so excited to still hang around and see what they can get done with one more year. Um, so with all that said, me just rambling, um, I think we kind of wanted to know how would you, Gary, grade year one under Matt Rule? A, A through F, How are, what, what grade are you giving this coaching staff for year one? Okay, so I've said this before, and I'm gonna I'm gonna really really back away from your question because <laughs> um, I I don't think you can grade year one until you see the response to year one. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's because it's you know if if you would have I, I thought they'd be a six win football team, and but everybody's saying no no Matt Rule year one they only win two or three well they won five so is that a great year? I don't know. They're still not playing in a bowl game. You can lose six games and go to a bowl game. Nebraska's not in a bowl game. So I'm going to – my grading of this season will be when I see the response. Like, things that ailed Nebraska. Um, it may turn out that your first trip through the Big Ten, you learned a lot. And so you responded to that in year two. And thus, year one becomes more successful – than just five and seven. So that's how I approach this question. I've said this before, guys. I think Matt Rule is a good coach. And I think Nebraska is in a good spot right now. But the thing about Nebraska football is finding the winners that take you from five wins to eight wins and you don't come back. You can be in the seven, eight, and then you're like, wow, we're comfortable here, but Let's find two more every year. You know how that path works. So good good coach, good spot. How do you figure out the winners and this program to win? Because they've got good people in the program. I don't think they have winners. And that doesn't mean that these guys are losers. <laughs> it's just how do they figure out how to win when you go to East Lansing and everybody says there's six and you lay an egg. A mm-hmm. big, huge egg. Yeah. When when do you go over the wall that you are a winner? That's why turning this back to Kyle McCord, man, I love a guy that is coming from an eleven-one program that has been in South Bend in prime time, that has yeah. played in the big game, even though he was on the losing end, and probably the response to him is the reason why he's getting the heck out of C bus. I want guys that have been around winning programs, and I think that's a subtle part of McCord. I think guys got a taste of what it's like to win, but they need to turn on the faucet before they can win, win, win. And we don't go, oh, my gosh, they've won three or four. We go, yeah, that's what it's supposed to be like. I understand. You're not going to win every week. There's some things that are out of your control, but control what you can control and win those games that you have full control in. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of South Bend, um, I, I really do believe Notre Dame deserved oh, to win that game. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. They got screwed on that one. Uh, Geoff is our uh, resident. Uh, he's a Husker fan, but he was raised in a family of Irish fans. So we have to deal with this from time to time as well. How about that Riley Leonard pickup? How about that? No, no Jeff. No, have, no, Jeff. You're getting us way off topic we, here. We right? have to remind we have to remind Jeff that we we don't discuss the Irish at the table. We don't discuss uh, the Irish. Jeff, well, uh, Jeff, I will not introduce you then to the Rezac family. <laughs> 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 so was, um, was Jeff, was Jeff, were you on the show when Carter Nelson was in South Bend going flip? 
Whoop, whoop. <laughs> no. Was, no. You know what? Dang you know it. what's funny? He was yeah. on vacation. G off, that was when you were I was in vacation with the family in, in Arizona. Tucson. He was in Matt, Arizona. Matt and I, Matt and I did a show with just the two of us, and we were speculating about where Geoff might be. And is he really in Arizona? He was sending pictures. Or, or is no he family. in South Bend? Is he in exactly. South Bend trying to work in, Carter Nelson? Exactly. I was in South Bend with the Golics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, just to move on here, I want to be respectful of your time there, Gary. Not to harp on Marcus Satterfield too much. Just kidding. I'm not going to talk about Marcus Satterfield at all. Uh, in Tony White, just he, the defense was a bright spot, obviously, in year one. And in most of our podcasts, that was we gave out corn cobs. That was our version of a game ball. And nine times out of ten, we were giving it to a defensive player every week because they or just, just a to, or just a Tony White, yeah, or the Tony White himself. So we lucked out this year getting to keep him. He's not going to San Diego State, but realistically. How long do you think we got this guy? He's awesome. I just I want him to stay for as long as possible. Uh, any idea I, how how long we're going with him? I would say one more year. <sighs> I think another year where they make strides. I think he's really really attractive. Now remember, he would like a power five job. I mean, not a you're not going to get a you're not going to go from the defensive coordinator in Nebraska to a high level power five. But I think he would like a power five job over one of those Mac jobs that could be career suicide. Sure. But one year mm -hmm. of Nebraska building on what they started on defense, I think he becomes very attractive. He's on the radar now on all those lists of hot assistants. Mm -hmm. You know, he was known at Syracuse, but now you're at Nebraska and he kept Nebraska season alive by what they did on defense. Guys, I think it's amazing. First of all, he's a great person. Anybody else that when they get a $1.6 million new deal, they they tweet out, maybe they throw a picture of themselves hanging out with the players. I think it was an insight to who Tony White is. Guys, he tweeted out four pictures. None of them included him. He's the real deal as a person. And his go. ability to coach his coaches and then the coaches that coach the players and the environment they've created over there on defense is amazing. We we love Bo in 03. We love Charlie McBride. Tony White, in a short amount of time, should be mentioned in the love category with that one season of Bo and what Charlie did. But I think it's one year, they have success again, and somebody comes and plucks him. And then it's on rule to find that guy internally or externally that keeps the ball rolling because they have a great culture on that side of the ball. Right. Absolutely. I think that's, that's, I think I've, I might've mentioned that before. It's like, you just, as a Husker fan, you just hope that he's laid enough foundation that they can just continue to be a machine on defense and just, and just basically still run the same system. And hopefully somebody can still operate that and, and somehow provide the same leadership that, that he has. Yeah. So, so yeah, Gary, and he's got, he's got some players, you know, I mean, he's got some cornerstones. I, I think it says a lot. I, I, I think it, I think there's two things here that that show you where 24 and beyond might be going. Ty Robinson actually should be going pro. Ty Robinson had a great year. Yeah. Ty Robinson wants to stay. I mean, he's been here for a long time. He yeah. wants to stay. Then that's a win for Tony White because I think that shows you, man, it's fun to play on defense. Then what you guys referenced earlier, Isaac Gifford and Bryce Benhart coming back. 
that's the win for what Matt Rule has created because both of those guys coming back, there's no guarantee that they're one of the 85 scholarships because now they're in the elder years of their career. They can be shifted to an NIL scholarship. Mm-hmm. Ah. And they also they also probably, if you're getting paid to play football, there's two guys that probably would have an opportunity to get paid to play football in the NFL next year, but they want to come back and they've been here for a while. So I think both of those three instances show you a win for Tony White on what he's created and then what Matt Rule has created. And it's also a sign we're sitting here 10 days into the portal and Nebraska hasn't had any of those jaw-dropping uh-oh that have transferred. It's it's probably going to come. It may not come until the spring like it was last year. But, but yeah, they, behind the scenes, they've got some good stuff. I think that's where they've made the biggest stride is behind the scenes in creating a culture where – People want to be part of Nebraska football, and it's not just because they get cool gear and everybody knows their name. That's awesome, you do, well, Gary. If you have if you have time for one more, Gary, yeah, um, you know what? I got uh, 10, 15 minutes here. Great, great, great. So, kind of looking, you know, a little bit longer down uh, down the road here. 24, 25, 26, 20, You know, next three, four years. Let's say Coach Rule gets this thing humming, right? Let's say he turns the Huskers into a well-oiled machine. We're regularly in the top 25. Like we're, you know, we are what most of us grew up with and most of us remember for the vast majority of history when it comes to Nebraska football. We're also dealing with the new reality of college football. You've got uh, Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA coming to the Big Ten um, this this next year. Uh, Oregon and Washington are both arguably playoff caliber teams. Washington's in the playoff. Oregon, with a win, probably would have been in the playoff. And then, of course, USC it feels like they always underperform because they should always be able to get the best talent, but whatever, like they could, you never know when they're going to turn back into USC. Right. And so like, what I guess is what's a, what's a reasonable, like what should I, I, you know, Husker fans, we always tell ourselves, yeah, we know the nineties aren't coming back. And then in the back of our minds, we're like, but may, like, but maybe they could be coming back someday. <laughs> like we all, we all believe, we all believe, we all believe the Huskers can and will be great again someday. Like what's, what's a ceiling that, one, um, we can, you know, one would be reasonable to expect and can also be achievable for coach rule. I, I think you get to the point. Well, one, Nebraska has to have a football coach that leverages the fan base and the resources to help you get guys here. Um, I, I know it's, it's not easy to recruit to Nebraska. Nebraska is a mega brand. And you haven't been able to back it up on the field, but can you still back it up when you're out there trying to get better on the field? So I think Rule gets that. He understands I can use the fan base and my resources as leverage to recruit and recruit the way I want to recruit. I'm going to have to win some battles and then continue along with the development guys. But he's going to have to he's going to have to start plucking to get to that next level. He's going to start plucking some guys that are difference makers when they walk in the door and they look like they're married, have, you know, two and a half kids and they, they have a portfolio already. I think, I think elevating it is the baseline every season that Nebraska goes into, you begin with seven wins. And then it's your job as a coach and a player to find those extra two or even those extra three in a magical year where you have lifted the floor where, you know what, every year when we get back together in January and start our off season, we know we've got seven wins because we're good enough in what we do as a core. Now, how do we do 
to get those extra two or those extra three that in the new world of college football, if you win nine or 10 and you're in the big 10, then you might find yourself in a playoff. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. You know, and I, and I, I think it's all about how you go about your business of, yeah, you can say you want to do this, but you back it up. And Rule appears to be a guy that isn't into all the fluff. He likes to talk and he likes to put things out there, but then his actions start to back it up. And that's encouraging. Um, how far are they away from what I just pointed out, guys? Um, I don't know. I, I still think they've got some holes on this current roster and it's not going to, you know, they're not breaking through to the playoff next year. But there's no reason why they can't now establish that floor and bring it up to the seven wins, and then let's go find a way to win a couple more. Yeah. Listen, a running awesome. theme on this show for the entire fall was just get us to a bowl game. Any bowl game. It could be the Vandalay Industries Bowl on December <laughs> December 12th at 8 a.m. We don't care. We're pulling, <laughs> we're pulling the kids out of school. We're making buffalo chicken cheese dip, Geoff. Uh, you know, we're having, we're, we're, we're celebrating like it's new year's day. So uh, unfortunately we didn't quite get there this year, but I honestly, it's sad, uh, given how, uh, how great we were for so long, but man, get me to any bowl game in 2024. I agree with you, Gary. I think seven or eight wins is perfectly reasonable to expect, but get me to a bowl game. And, and, uh, I think we're all dancing in the streets. Yeah. Let me ask you, let me ask you guys. And I've listened to you guys. At the end of, if we're doing this again on December 13th, 2024, where is Nebraska football at? You don't have to give me like a bowl game and a site, but just the, what's the vibe of Nebraska football one year from today? Oh, wait, are you saying if we're having this conversation and they haven't made a bowl game today? No, 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 no. In hey, year? hey, we're having, you guys are doing double and triple podcast if they're not in the bowl game next year right exactly, yeah. exactly. so you're saying <laughs> but, you're just saying we're talking a year yeah, from now what's yeah. the, what's the all, status all, yeah. all three of you guys a year from now we do this again what's the vibe around nebraska football what do you think it will be and what should it be teach go ahead i'll go first i guess yeah. um i think the vibe is improved i think we're we're preparing for a bowl game on december 13th 2024 um, I agree with you. It's we're probably in the six to eight win range would be my guess. And so it's probably not, uh, you know, a new year's day bowl or something like that. But the, I think the fan base is so beaten down and so hungry for anything positive that let's say seven wins and a bowl game against a mid-level, you know, <laughs> sec or big 12 team or something. I think everybody in, in Husker nation, from sea to shining sea that's able is traveling to that thing. Everybody else is watching it. I think we're celebrating and I think we're talking about building for the future. Now I, I just, I think it's impossible that we can assume that we'll have a season in 2024 where shit doesn't hit the fan a few times. Like there's going to be games. There's going to be games that we should win that we won't like, we know that's yeah. like, like we yeah. cannot, ex we, we, our recent history shows we can't expect otherwise. So I think as long as you manage through those rough periods and find your way, I think six wins is probably a little bit of a disappointment, but it will be overshadowed by getting to a bowl game. If you get to seven or eight wins, forget it. All bets are off. Husker nation's thrilled. And, and then, and then 
turn on the, turn the expectation machine back on. Yeah. And if we don't get to the playoffs <laughs> in 2025, everybody's pissed off again. I'm with you. I think it's, I think it's, I think we're looking at seven or eight. I mean, you look at the schedule and yeah, you, you realistically should probably win five or six in that first, those first seven games. I think we're still, I think the last four or five, there probably will be a shit hits the fan moment. And, you know, there's a certain sect of the fan base is still upset because, you know, we're, we're, when realistically we should be thrilled with seven or eight. Right. But there's still that, that kind of, in the back of everyone, every Husker fan's mind that's over 35 years old, let's say, there's still that ex- expectation of greatness, right? So there will still be people that are upset. Even if we win eight, we'll be upset that we didn't win 10 or 11 or aren't in the CFP. I yeah. mean, let's realistically, I think that's where it's at. Um, where I think we should be is what, like what you said, TJ. It's it's we should be happy with, with seven. We should be thrilled with eight. And just be excited about, okay, we moved the yardsticks a little bit more, right, for for 2025. And then we got to eight. Now next year, like Gary said, let's find a way to get a couple more. And then everyone will be projecting CFP, Dylan Rayola for the Heisman in 2025. There we go. (laughs) I I personally think I'm going to be in a state of disrepair because I feel like Notre Dame and Nebraska are going to get to the playoff next year and they're going to be playing each other and I'm going to be fighting with my friends and family. And it's just going to, I'm not looking forward to next year because we're going to be so good. Well, you would, have one of those split shirts down the middle to be like yeah, Iriskers or, yeah. or Huskrish or something like something that. that. Something like a middle-aged mother would wear for her student. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yep, I would. I would I, my mother actually did that once. Um, I would love <laughs> Love for you to have that problem, Jeff. Yeah, I would too. I would too. Hey, there's also the part of, uh, I think TJ, you brought this up. And I sense this in the month of November, and especially after the frustration of the Iowa game, is people are worn out. I mean, this is the first game and the last game this year looked all too familiar of things that ailed Nebraska. And there are people that, yeah, you're hanging in there and you're loyal and you're going to be back in the stadium for UTEP in 2024 to kick off at the end of August, but you're worn out. Doesn't it feel, guys, though, of of all the most important stretches of Nebraska football that on and off the field, 24 and 25 might be the tipping point? And why I bring this up is because there's a sense of urgency and you want rule to win in year two and year three, because if you get to year four, you know what those conversations are like, and they're they're uncomfortable. Yeah. But there's also the added element of Nebraska football is if you're not very good in 24, you're about to kick a lot of people out of your stadium for a couple of years. You're going to tear down South Stadium. Yeah. What are the chances those people come back? Yeah. Especially if they've never had a added price onto their ticket, and now you're telling them to pay for something and they're like, I've been paying for some crap football. I'm no longer going to do it. So there's like so many different things that affect Nebraska football on and off the field, financially, emotionally, that the next two years could bring. Because then if it pops, when you get a brand new, essentially a brand new stadium or half a brand new stadium, then people are going to want to be part of it instead of like, nah, you know what? I'm good. I, I, I was loyal. It's bad football. I'm not coming back. That's yeah, that's really that's a great point. Yeah. Great point. I, I've believed for a long time that 
apathy that, that the Husker fan base is immune from apathy. It would never happen. Like we would never lose a, enough of the fan base. You know, people might get mad. We joke about throwing hats or punching the couch or things like that, but you always come back by Tuesday, Wednesday, you're thinking about the next game. You're telling yourself they got a chance to win, whatever it is. But I do your, your point about just getting beaten down and worn down is a really good one. I would say even in just doing this podcast by the <laughs> end of the year, we've done it four you know, game recaps in a row talking about four getting our hearts ripped out, gut punch <laughs> losses that could have been wins. And it's just like, I don't want to do this right now. I want, I want to talk about something better, something happier. So I do think that's a really interesting point that, you know, people, I, I, I would say Husker fans have put up with this nonsense of almost a decade now, longer than most fan bases would. But yeah. we talked about this after the Purdue game and kind of the conversation of was the crowd did enough, you know, people didn't show up. Mm -hmm. It was the weather, but why didn't they show up? We got a chance to, you know, we still got a season. We're still yeah. playing for something here. Um, and I think, you know, it's okay to have the family conversation where you say it needs to be better, Husker Nation. But it's also like you got kids who didn't grow up. Remember, they don't remember yeah. any of the hardly any of the good times. Yeah. And you've got all these other competing influences that every other fan, uh, every other university is dealing with, and professional sports team of every game's on TV and the comfort of home and all those things. And so I do. You you know, like your point is like. Maybe Nebraska, the Nebraska fan base is kind of like what, what Cuba Gooding Jr. said in Jerry Maguire. It's like, you are hanging on by a very thin thread right now. <laughs> and I dig that about you. <laughs> <laughs> but for once, man, we need we need things to go our way here in 24 and 25. And it, the, the bar is lower than it's ever been. Seven wins right. would be would yeah. be things going our way. Audio is cutting out. T twenty-four. Oh, there we go. I can yeah. hear you. Again. Oh, yeah, we lost okay, you for a minute a, there. Op, op, oh, sorry. Oh, no, you're I was good. just saying we're going to do everything we can to to keep keep the Kool Aid flowing and uh, and keep the optimism brewing for sure. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So, well, Matt, Jeff, anything else? <laughs> no, uh, just re really appreciate you, Mister Sharp. This has been awesome. I uh, love your takes on all this stuff, and uh, hopefully, we can have you back on sometime. Uh, yeah. I'd love to do it, guys. Uh, I'm a big fan. I appreciate it. This is a fun conversation. Yeah, thanks, Gary. You're a pro. Uh, I got a lot out of this, so thank you very much. And go Irish. Hey, I mean, I, Huskers. Go Huskers. Hey, the next <laughs> time uh, the, the next time I will wear, Jeff, exactly what you're wearing. I've got it in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jeff, love the sweater. <laughs> Jeff, really glad to hear you got a lot out of it, Jeff. Way to go. Uh, <laughs> hi. Gary, thank you so much for joining the Common Fans today. This was awesome. Uh, super stoked to talk to you. Uh, like Matt said, hopefully we can have you back. Hope you have a great Christmas season. Uh, we'll be back soon, Common Fans. In the meantime, GBR for life.